When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where myself, Dan Selke of WinnersComing.net and Mia Johnson of Fansided.com and Dorkside of the Force dot etc. Uh, talk about all things com or net? What is it? Dot com. Dot com. Beautiful. Talk about all things uh, science fiction, fantasy, books, TV, movies. Um, I'm sorry if you're trying to watch on Facebook and it's a little bit wacky right now, but we will bring you our level best anyway, because as always, there is a lot going on in the nerd space. Mia, how are you today? And hello, Julia. See, somehow you are in. I'm glad. Hi, Julia. She made it in. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. We've got a little gray, cloudy day over here, but you know what? I think I'm ready for fall weather. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a a uh, blistering summer, like you might say, and especially with like what's happened in California, I'm pretty yeah. happy to have um, a nice, cool, damp but not sopping wet day here in Chicago. Oh yeah, and I'm also happy to be getting plenty of juicy things to watch and discuss. As for example. Um, they just dropped, Warner Brothers dropped the trailer for the movie, the movie event of the year, Dune, <laughs> the movie from Denis Villeneuve. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Um, director of Arrival, Blade Runner 2024, adapting Frank Herbert's 1965 science fiction classic Dune for the big mm-hmm. screen, the silver screen even. And they have a trailer. Hey, Lori, good to see you around there, too. I thought we would watch it now and then talk a little bit about it because this could be a big deal. Let's dim the house lights. Let's get out the popcorn. Let's kind of settle into our seats and let's watch the trailer for Dune. There's something happening to me. There's something awakening in my mind. I can't control it. What did you see? There's a crusade coming. Do you often dream things that happen just as you dream them? Yes. The test is simple. Remove your hand from the box and you die. What's in the box? Pain. You inherit too much power. You have proven you can rule yourself. Now you must learn to rule others. Something none of your ancestors learned. What 
father rules an entire planet. He's losing it. He's getting a richer one. He'll lose that one, too. Arrakis is a death trap. Kill him. This is an extermination. They're picking my family off one by one. Let's fight like demons. An animal caught in a trap will gnaw off its own leg to escape. Okay, that's a bit of the trailer for Dune. Not the entire thing. It was very nice. Okay. Uh, by the way, James, hi from Hot California. Sorry about that, yeah, James. Yeah, uh, I please go out to everybody there. So please stay safe. I hope you're not watching this in a room as your room slowly fills with a weird orange obsolescence. People are actually comparing to Blade Runner 2049 on Twitter. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. I was like, why is that trending? And I was like, oh, I see why. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very 2020. I'll say that much. Yes, it, 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 it does feel like 2020. Um, maybe you can end on a decent note if, yeah. I mean, I know a movie can't rescue a year that we've had this many problems in, but Dune does look really interesting for a few reasons. This is a, 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 I'm going to call it a canonical classic story. <laughs> this is like something that has that, you know, Star Wars took a lot of cues from a lot of modern sci-fi took cues from Dune. The story of... Mm. Uh, Paul Atreides, Timothy Chal- Chalamet. We talked before about how like stacked this cast is. Oh yeah, going to the desert planet of Dune with his noble family to try and manage it. But Mia, 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 it yes, he has obstacles. He has so many <laughs> obstacles. There are the rival family, the Harkonnens, played by Stellan Starsgard and Dave Bautista. There are the giant ass sandworms. Which we didn't get to in the trailer, but they're um. That's what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, Dune is very, it, it, it definitely does have like a, a Game of Thrones kind of feel to it where there's a lot mm-hmm. of political backroom scheming, wheeling, and dealing. And there are kind of layers to it. Like the reason they're going to Dune is because the Emperor wants them to, to manage it, but it might be a trap because the Emperor might oh, be no. jealous of Oscar Isaac, Paul's dad. But he can't say no, because when the Emperor asks you to do it, you got to go do it. But he has to be like, okay, we have to do this, but also we have to know that it might be a trap, so we have to be very careful and connect with the family people. It's um, it's a lot. It, 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 it's a dense yeah. book. As Laurie says, never seen Star Wars. Really? Never? <gasps> I'm impressed, Laurie. Good for you. Keep it up. But I do recommend Dune. To be honest with you, I've read it a couple of times. It's never quite clicked for me, because it's just so... Um, dense and kind of uh cold it's as written the book is sort of at an arm's length kind of sci-fi story mm-hmm. it's um it's very clinical and very mannered and very uh clearly the guy's thinking a lot but there's not like a lot of like warm-blooded lovable characters to follow they're good people but they're just not yeah. um they're kind of driven by like you know duty and the need to uh, turn this desert planet into a verdant green wonderland. And there's a lot of, again, scheming, dealing, wheeling. It's it's sort of a hard book to get into. 
And maybe for that reason, it's never been made like a great screen adaptation. What do you think of the trailer, Mia, and of what uh, the story in general? This? Yeah, the trailer looks pretty interesting. It does seem like a lot to take in. But I mean, really, if you're, you know, if it's adapting any kind of book or news story, it's like, yeah, you know, you're going to have to get used to the new characters, the new environment, the new setting. Um, I remember I was this. I was discussing this with my dad because um, I was telling him the trailer was going to come out. And he was like, yeah, because he's a sci-fi buff like me. And he was like, I remember going to see the original. <laughs> and he was like, it did not make sense to him. He didn't get it. He was disappointed. Um, so I don't know, you know, at what stage or what particularly disappointed him about the original. But it it at least this one looks nice and clean. and po- I mean, the, the cast alone I think would be enough to get people to come. I mean, Zendaya. The cast is amazing. Yeah, you have Zendaya as Chani. A the the. uh, I'm just gonna throw out some terms at you, just at all of you. Get used to it now. The Fremen people are the native inhabitants of Dune. The Sardaukar are the Emperor's elite forces. The Gamjabar is the little weird. uh, poison dart thing. The old lady put up Timothy Chalamet's neck. Oh. The Kwisatz Haderach is the mes- the messiah figure that Timothy Chalamet may grow up to be. The real name of Dune is Arrakis. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of fantasy sci-fi stuff has like a yeah. vocabulary. It's kind of like once you know it, you're like part of the fandom. You know, if you care enough to know all these words, you're probably a fan. That can be a good and a bad thing, right? It can be it, it can be a good thing because, you know, it, it, it gives you something to turn over and to think about. It can be a bad thing because it's like a barrier to entry. But right. um, I, I do love the director. The cast, as I said, is is remarkable. Timothy Chalamet, Oscar Isaac, um, Charlotte Rampling as the Reverend Mother. You got Jason Momoa as his Swordmaster mm-hmm. Tudor guy. You got Dave Batista, lately of Gardens of the Galaxy, being one of the villains. Gotta love that. And Julie, it's not a show. It's a movie. Look at that. A movie movie we're talking about. (laughs) Just a one-off, a quick little, probably, what, two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour sit-down at the, you know, theater VO. Ooh, speaking of which, what's that really? I've heard some, like, rumors-ish about the release date, especially, like, because Wonder Woman's supposed to come out around November. And now they're like, well, what if we push it to December? And then that also pushes Dune back to 2021, which would be incredibly sad. It's possible. I mean, yeah. at, at one point, I was worried Dune might not come out in 2020 at all. I mean, not really worried. Like, if, if, if that's a safe thing to do, fine. But now that they've opened the new mutants in Tenet, and yeah. I mean, come hell or high water, it happened. Like, they opened, people went to see it. I feel like... Um, the uh, Paul has been lifted a bit. Like, there's no yeah. more taboo. Like, you can open That's a movie. True. Maybe we still shouldn't be, but it. I feel like the industry has decided we're going to go ahead and try this. So I bet it'll yeah. hit the date. Yeah, what's the current release date? The 18th of December. The 18th of December. Oh, okay. Okay, so yeah, then maybe they were considering what if Wonder Woman opens in that spot. I don't know. We'll see. But... um. Yeah, it definitely it's interesting. There's a lot of, from what I can see, Star Wars comparisons just between. Like, I, I think I I had a a nice hilarious tweet uh, set up to send comparing you know Dune to Tatooine and all those sand biomes <laughs> and planets on Star Wars. So oh, Tatooine is one hundred percent Dune. 
It's a big old desert planet where they live in like, you know, like ecologically friendly huts in the ground to conserve moisture. They're literally moisture yeah. farmers. He stole it from Dune, which is fine. Like what? everyone steals from everyone. And he put like a kind of Flash Gordon adventure stamp on his version of it, where Dune is again yeah. like very, like, I, it, it, it's a bad word, but like cold is the word I want to use for it. It's hmm. very, it's sort of distant, but really rich and juicy. And I do enjoy it. And the visuals alone look fantastic. I mean, oh, yeah. I watched Blade Runner 2049 and Arrival, and I could just like kind of hypnotically watch those just for kind of the image kind of washing over me and having a good time. So I think it looks really entertaining. And it that sounds like you, you, you guys in the comments are into it, too. Mm-hmm. As Julie says, even better. I hope it's still on when theaters open here. I have gold class tickets from a Christmas present we haven't used yet. When do theaters open in Australia, Julie? I, I, I haven't heard about that. Because, again, they are open here in Chicago, Illinois. Whether yeah. they should be or not, it's happened. Yeah, I've seen some places in Australia have, like, upped their lockdown level, um, like, to a four out of four plan or something like that. So maybe it might be a little bit of time. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, any other thoughts on Dune, Mia? Looks pretty interesting. I'm excited. I got my daily dose of Oscar Isaac. I'm set. <laughs> yeah, again, just the, the, the cast is really remarkable. Like, I don't know how they got yeah. all fucking one place. Which, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I hope it's, you know, not flooding in a bunch of these celebrities, these great stars. And then it, yeah. that's the most redeemable feature about it. Aside from like, okay, cinematography looks on point And I don't think you can deny that, the effects. But then just the overall movie, I'm hoping matches the level of excitement you know with the amount of big names in it i will say i wasn't wild about the trailer using like a pink floyd song for the background that's okay <laughs> yeah, i was like why there's a song stuck in my head right now oh yeah. it doesn't sound like that song that's eclipse from pink floyd yeah. it's like all right like you're trying to sell this cool new sci-fi movie and you're like Let's get a song that the boomers love. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just no. the only way to go for it. But I, I'm guessing well. the scores aren't really quite done yet. So that's that's what I'm thinking. Oh, yes. Lori, don't worry. Walking Dead is up next. In fact, why don't we just switch oh. over to that now? Yeah. Um, after I advise you all, if you want to listen to us uh, in podcast form, your way to work at the gym, if you're still going to that, we are available on iTunes, Google Play, et cetera, and so forth. But yes, Lori, we are talking about Walking Dead because today there was some huge news. The Walking Dead, the zombie series that has currently at the end of its 10th season, going for a full-ass decade, is yeah. officially announced today. Ending. No. Ending with season 11, which will be in 2022, I think. Um, this is big news because The Walking Dead, okay... It is a historically successful series. I think it is the most successful scripted series in cable television history. Again, mm-hmm. it's been on the air for a straight decade. It's gone through ups and downs. Yeah. It's had enormous success. Like back in those heydays of like seasons four, five, six, seven, around that, like it was enormously watched. Raiden's kind of like after that, but it was <laughs> enormously popular. And it still has passionate fans. And the way that AMC sometimes talked about it, it felt like they were going to keep it going literally forever. Like, there was a point where the AMC executives were like, well, I can see it go for 20 seasons. And (laughs) we're like, how? And then shortly after that, Robert Kirkman, the guy who wrote the comics, um, wrapped them up. Like, in surprisingly, Mm -hmm. remember that? Like, it was like a surprise final issue. Like, whoops, it's done. 
I didn't know because that was going to be one of my questions. Like, is, you know, have they caught up to the comic or like, you know, is there enough comic book material to go off of? Is that over? Is that going to keep going? So that is also interesting to kind of know that they're like, okay, we're about to put the brakes on this train. As Julie says, she actually likes it now. And Lori says, yes, it's time. I feel like that is a sentiment I'm seeing a lot of online. Like the sentiment seems to be there are folks who love it. And I've, I watch it sometimes. I'm not like a passionate Walking Dead fan. Um, that maybe the show has kind of overstated its welcome a bit and probably should have <laughs> ended a couple of years ago. And I certainly don't get the idea that they wanted to go on for like 20 seasons. Especially since they're like losing cast members left and right. Like, right, and, yeah. Yeah, like Andrew Garfield is left last season. Um, the woman who plays oh, Black Panther, I forget her name. Denai Guerra, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, left to played Michonne. Um, Carl is gone off the show. Carl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like, and again, I don't know the whole scope of it, but somewhere around the the Negan era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was really exciting. It was, you know, heartbreak. Like, the Glenn stuff was very heartbreaking and all of that. But it was like that season seven or eight from my perspective is where it kind of got a little slow. It was like stories were just like slowly treading along. There wasn't a lot happening, but from my understanding, I think season nine, if not 10 might have been a little bit better. I think with the new showrunner is what it sounded like. Um, I think that's who I think the showrunner is, but she was, um, it sounded like she picked it up, but now, yeah, I think if, if it comes to an end, I think that's fine. I think they've kind of reached that point anyway. And like a lot of people were saying, you know, The Walking Dead, this series is over, but not the whole, the universe as a whole, because there's so much <laughs> more to go. No. Okay. The, the, <laughs> the other bit to this is, yes, The yeah. Walking Dead is ending. And, I, and some great comments right now. We're going to read them in just a second. But let's get through <laughs> this next bit, because it is like the other half of this story is that... The Walking Dead is over with season 11. But is it, though? Like, is it really over? Because let's see. We have Fear of the Walking Dead on, which is a spinoff show that started, like, I think it's going into its sixth season now. So that's already, like, kind of an old show by um, cable television standards. We have The Walking Dead World Beyond, which is a kind of young adult uh, YA teenager zombie survival drama coming up. I believe when the Walking Dead season 10 finale airs in early October, we have, and and they just announced two more. They announced Tales of the Walking Dead, which will be like a show that it's like it's it's going to be episodic. Like it'll look back into like earlier characters and just give them like one shot episodes. Mm-hmm. And then they have a spinoff being made about Carol and Daryl, who are um, yeah. the, the dynamic <laughs> duo from way back in the first season. Who I do like, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. So great. We're losing one show, but there'll be four damn Walking Dead shows on air, like, this time in three years. It's kind of almost seeming like it's trying to match the Star Trek universe. Like, some are building their movie universes, some are building the TV, and Star Trek and Walking Dead are like, we're going to do this TV thing, and we're going to make sure that you have this endless supply of content. Oh, yeah, Lori, you, you, you heard right. Fear the Walking Dead, Walking the World Beyond, Tales of the Walking Dead, and now a new, I'm not kidding, this is happening, 
Daryl and Carol spinoff is coming in 2023. Yeah. That is happening. It's going on. And are they still doing a Rick Grimes movie? Oh, yes. And the up. Rick Grimes yeah. movie. <laughs> As she says, she is so there. And I mean, yeah, it does sound fun. I don't know. I, I gotta say, ugh, like, you're right. Like, I, I look at Star Trek and I look at Walking Dead and I'm like, how many shows do you really need? And I gotta say, <laughs> it, it. if you love it, awesome. I am glad you're into it. Laura, you clearly yeah. are into it. I will definitely give it a try. I do kind of have more respect for the Game of Thrones approach, honestly, where it's just like, let's just do one. Yeah. <laughs> so this is also making me think about, because it's not a necessarily foreign thing to be like, okay, we have no. this base material and now we're going to have some sort of spinoff. But usually that's in the form of like a novel, like the Star Wars, what used to be, you know, this this Star Wars spinoff novels, uh, comics, even though Walking Dead is a comic. So it is, it's interesting to see that there's always have been spinoff stories being made, but never have we had the, basically the platform and the space to actually turn those works of art into actual TV series. So a few folk in here are talking about how much they like Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. Oh. He, he mean, <laughs> I do like Jeffrey D. Morgan. Yeah, I have to give him that. Like, I agree with you that, like, his introduction was, like, kind of the point when the show both peaked and, like, started its, well, I guess it can't get any better, so it's yeah. time to start going down um, thing. But he has, he, he definitely has charisma. He definitely okay. has a place in the show. I watched a spinoff about him. Okay, I can't I can't go back. As Lori says, Carol's my favorite, you're going to me. Carol's kind of my favorite too, by the way, Lori. I always liked her. Her transformation from kind of wayfish, um, abusive relationship survivor to borderline psychopathic cold-blooded killer to warm mother figure. She yeah. she had a journey, is what she had. <laughs> I didn't mind that at all. What's the so is the whole like the Carol, the ship, you know, Daryl and Carol, are they like so romantically entangled or has it ever happened? What's the They never of that? were. I mean, Lori, you're the expert. I don't think they ever were officially together. Yeah. Right. Because she liked. Um, you guys. The, who was the king, right? The um, Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot his name. Ezekiel? The Tiger King. Is- <laughs> he was part of the Tiger King. <laughs> That's who. That's the last. Like I remember her like wanting to be with somebody, and then that's when I I dropped off. Right. Yeah. Not a bad show. Just um, it, it's a lot, and I just wonder if like any franchise can sustain that much stuff. And I know that like the the the, the Vogue right now is to just get as many shows as you can. Like Star Wars too are yeah. rumored to be having like, and they are the Mandalorian and. Maybe an Ahsoka Tano show and The Bad Batch and yeah. um, a show from uh, the Russian Doll showrunners coming. Like, they're also right, yeah. gearing up to have all these, like, Shady Universe shows. All the Marvel shows that are coming. Loki yeah. and WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier, which are all put... We'd like to be watching that already, by the way. Do you realize? I know. How strange. <laughs> it, 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 it is too bad. Um... I mean, like, because now it's not so much about make a show that's going to be a hit. It's make a lot of shows that can attract people to your streaming service is the model. Mm-hmm. And we're we're getting these just webs of shows. And just as a guy who watches a lot, I mean, I watch a lot of TV. 
<laughs> and I'm someone who's like, I can't watch all of these. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. But we still got some chiming in about the the Carol and Daryl. Yes, indeed. Julie says, I couldn't see a romantic link between them. Lori says, Carol and Daryl are friends. Bestie, they don't have to be physical, but I think they're soulmates. Interesting. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, it, there, there's no shame in having a close. Ooh, I, if I can remember this point for Tenet about... You know, <laughs> not needing romantic lead or, you know, romanticness. I understand where they're coming from. Totes. Yeah, I always like them. If you're going to have a spinoff, those two are the ones. I just uh, am, as ever, concerned about the proliferation of these networks of programs and see if mm-hmm. they can see themselves. But we'll see how it goes. Um, speaking of, again, we just mentioned Star Wars being one of these franchises that's trying to, like, really monopolize your time. Mia, was there some new news about the second season of The Mandalorian coming to Disney Plus in October? Yes, yes, indeed there was. So we already knew as of lastish week that it was coming out October 30th on Disney Plus. And just yesterday, Entertainment Weekly dropped this huge feature on season two of The Mandalorian. So Basically, they got pretty much everyone, you know, from like the showrunner, like John Favreau, uh, Dave Filoni, who also works on it from the Clone Wars. They all got to say a little bit of something. And basically, the the overall thing was we're not going to tell you what's going to happen, but there might be some things here and there as we're continuing to figure out what happens to Baby Yoda, the child. Right. So we know at the the end and i guess it's been long enough to spoil the mandalorian at this point right i mean go, i mean go easy just like um you yeah. know thread the needle yeah 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 so obviously at the end there was no like clear resolution about baby yoda or his home so that's like the you know the brief and the short but there's something interesting though about giancarlo um Esposito's character moff gideon because he was like basically the essential villain in this and guy pulling the strings and all that. But he offered a different perspective and I'll just read out the quote that he said in this. So he said for season two, who knows, maybe there's an opportunity to get the Mandalorian to fight some battles for me. You may think I'm a villain, but I'm trying to harness some energy and some powers for a path and that could be best for all. Um, so we get to see him be somewhat diplomatic and more of a manipulator. Interesting. So, so he's not so much like a, uh, He's more like an emperor, like tempting the Mandalorian to the dark side or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, I think that's interesting because in this era of the galaxy far, far away, they, you know, the whole Jedi thing is like, oh, you know, what is that? So he doesn't really abide by the codes of the Jedi. He's more of... Actually, no, am I... Well, what I'm trying to say is, because now I'm like thinking about the Star Wars timelines, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, okay, this show takes place then, and then this takes place between this and that. After Return of the uh, Jedi, before uh-huh. The Force Awakens. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, there are Jedi, but his whole thing is like, he is not part of that, right? Whatever the heck is going on between the Sith and the Jedi, or, you know, all that stuff, he could care less about. I certainly He's more hope of so. Just He's just more of this neutral kind of guy. He's a bounty hunter. You know, he hunts, he gets his money. So that's why I can see it being a possibility of him teaming up with the so-called bad guy. And especially if it's, you know, in the benefit of Baby Yoda. Yeah, he's a 
I, again, I, I said before, and I know that, like, Julie and there's some folk on here who aren't believers, like, if you can watch the show and you have it and you're not a Star oh, Wars man. person like I am, yeah. it was so entertaining. It was so it's, much yeah. fun. Because you know why? This show, rather than, like, embrace the whole post-Game of Thrones, like, Walking Dead, um, Star Trek sprawl, where it's like, mm-hmm. we're going to tell the most epic story ever, where it's like 18,000 characters all trying to interconnect it was like so simple it was just the bounty hunter the adorable little alien baby yeah. yoda the child it was actually called the child boy weirdly enough and um i want to protect him and find his people it was so mm-hmm. refreshingly simple to me and so just like well done at the same time like a simple story well told and i gotta say yeah. like part of the interview they were like we're gonna go into like more they, they he literally said we're gonna mm-hmm. go in a more game of thrones direction and, like, make intersecting characters. And I'm like, okay, just, like, hope you know what you're yeah. doing. Because the reason I <laughs> liked it so much in the first place was because it wasn't that. Yeah, I have that quote. So, John Favreau uh, said, he's like, as we introduce other characters, there are opportunities to follow different stories. The world was really captivated by Game of Thrones and how that evolved as the characters followed, each, uh, followed different storylines. That's very appealing to me as an audience member. Mm-hmm. So we might be losing kind of like you said, that simplicity of just, you know, here's who we're following. We don't have to worry about a big B plot or a big C plot, you know, just these characters. And I don't I'm I'm wondering if that's their maybe attempt to try to make this, you know, to prolong it. We've already got season two. Season three is probably definitely going to happen anyway. (laughs) So it's like, ooh, straightforward storytelling. We can't do that anymore. Sure you can. Like, didn't, like, Gunsmoke last for, like, 25 damn seasons or something? And all that was was, like, a different cowboy every single episode just something different. Like, yeah. Like, what I like about it is that, like, now since everybody is trying to do the Game of Thrones thing, everybody from, like, The Witcher to Star Trek is trying to do, like, the big sprawling thing, like, Mm -hmm. simple and episodic actually feels kind of revolutionary again to me. Yeah. Like, that's what feels different. Which was the real spirit of Game of Thrones, by the way. Aww. Doing something different <laughs> that no one had done before. So that's my wish for it. But, you know, I did love the first season. So certainly until I see it and I hate it, I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And if they're bringing basically everyone back. Pedro Pascal, obviously, in the lead. Um, Gina Carano's Cara Dune. We saw a little bit of her. Carl Weathers is, as a Greek Carga, so yeah, the gang will all be there. And fun fact, because I was like so worried, I did not have faith that this was going to come out on time. And they specifically addressed in this article, they said that they wrapped filming like four days before the COVID shutdown happened. I was like, phew. <laughs> and then it was like, well, you know, we still had to do like the score um, with Ludwig Gornson, who's really awesome. And so they somehow figured that out, like, you know, through tech, basically, like recording separately or recording in small groups. So I'm sure they probably pulled it off flawlessly. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Disney. They will. Um, yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> will down the there that, uh, Julie uh, wants to watch it, doesn't have Disney Plus. And Lloyd says, you can just stream it online. Hmm. Yeah. We won't tell if you don't. Yeah. Just be careful. <laughs> That's like... Um, I had tweeted out a, another portion of that article where John Favreau was like, yeah, I was like in Paris or somewhere. 
and I saw this big mural of Baby Yoda, and I just couldn't believe that it had gone so viral. They haven't even seen it yet. Uh-huh. It hadn't even hit Disney Plus in Europe. I was like, I mean, you're right, but <laughs> let's be real, John. People have been watching in Europe before Disney Plus dropped it there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean that, that's another little wrinkle to these, um, to these. To, to this idea of having all these shows to lure you to streaming services. Like, mm-hmm. does it really work or does it just make piracy more of a thing? Like, mm-hmm. I wonder how many folks have watched Mulan uh, who do not own Disney+. Plus <laughs> Yeah. And don't well. want to pay 30 extra bucks if they do. I'm just saying, I didn't do it. Or did I? I didn't. <laughs> you can't tell me anything. Don't report me. Don't call the cops. But, um, yeah, I, I wonder what, what's going to happen with that. Okay. We're going to move on yes. really fast before our final topic. I just wanted to say a couple brief words about uh, the Venture Brothers. I'll be quick because I know that nobody oh, watches this yeah. show. So the Venture Brothers was an Adult Swim cartoon. began 17 years ago that I absolutely love. I've loved it for over a decade now. It's about, oh, I don't how do I describe this? It's about kind of like a washed out scientist and his Scooby-Doo-like kids around the world solving mysteries. But it it quickly got really weird and it became like this chance to parody everything from, you know, Marvel to 70s glam rock. Like really weird references (laughs) it has to like all kinds. I I, I know, Lloyd, no one has. That's the problem. Um, (laughs) It got very strange. The characters are very, very well-drawn and lovable. And it got canceled um, this past week. I just want to say a few words about it because mm. I'm sad it's canceled. I hope HBO Max or Disney Plus or Netflix someone can revive it because I want to see a final season where it all wraps up. I thought it was a great underappreciated show. I mean, and Laurie, like, it, the, the, the problem is no one watched it. Like, so <laughs> it, it's fine. Like, that, that, that's why it's been canceled. Because it was, it, it's kind of like the funny version of Dune. It's very, very dense and sort of, like, hard to break through. But once yeah. you did, I thought it had a lot of rewards to give you. Lots of memorable characters, one-liners. I always felt like my pop culture knowledge got kicked up after I watched it because the references they made were so, like, not the normal nerd references. Really? That I would go on and be like, what are they talking about? And, like, I would learn things about these obscure sci-fi fantasies that I've never heard about before. They were just really on top of that. It was it was a very singular, unique vision, and I love that. Mm-hmm. This is not a show that was going to just jump on the Game of Thrones bandwagon just because everybody else was. The show always went its own way, and for that reason, it probably never caught on as as big as it might have if it kind of played to the, to the broader audience. But mm-hmm. I love how singular it is, and I'm very sad it's going away. And Netflix, um, Disney Plus, HBO Max, <laughs> if you're watching this, and you know, I'm sure you are, um, please revive the Venture Brothers for one final season eight. Thank you. Oh, this has been a message from Dan. <laughs> a message from Dan Selke. And that's it. And then we'll stop about that because I know it's not like a, a super, uh, you know, hot topic. And let's go on to something that is. Well, let's read Julie, Julie's comment here um, about television. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yes, you need to do something to do before the Wheel of Time starts. That's for sure. About uh, getting TVs. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too, Julie. I'm almost done with book three. And I'm going to be well into it by the time that TV show starts. And I'm going to be all over it. Looking forward to it. Okay. For a better topic, Mia, 
you again brave the movie theaters. Mia Daredevil Johnson here, just going to the theater, um, risking life and limb, and you saw Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Yeah. What is it? How is it? (laughs) Oh, I sure did see it. Oh, man, did I see a movie? (laughs) Wow. You know, yet again, I come on this wonderful program (laughs) to express how un-super-duper impressed I was about such a ambitious film. And I think this has kind of been the sentiment that I've seen from like a lot of people. Now I will say, um, I'll start with some pros because there's, there's some nice. good things to say. How nice of you. Um, the leads obviously were um, phenomenal. It's um, it's a David David Washington. I'm, I'm I don't know why I've, I've like heard his name seven hundred times by now. Um, the leads, Robert Pattinson. Well, I mean, how do they maybe don't remember the guy's name? Just saying. Let's see. John David Washington. Okay. John David Washington was phenomenal. Uh, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, uh, and also Kenneth Branagh were all in it. They all acted the part. Um, it's like, it is a, you know, when Christopher Nolan makes a film, he really makes a prestigious film. He no does. Christopher Nolan loves his um, <laughs> yeah. highfalutin, high quality, yeah. pristine movies. He doesn't want you to pirate this. He wants you in the theater. Oh, no. Because yeah. if you don't see it in the theater, of course, Christopher Nolan, you'll ruin the experience. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did even go see it in IMAX, which eh, I don't say make, made or broke the experience. But where the action is really great and I see where he was going with, to me, this was a little bit way too ambitious, a little too. I think people have boiled it down to confusing. Yeah. Like, what is it? Like, what's the plot? So... Yeah, so <laughs> excellent question. All I know is like spy thriller. Yeah, it, it really is a spy. And again, um, John David Washington makes a great spy, but it's like he is some sort of operative, some sort of spy. And he gets picked up by this agency called Tenet. And they're basically like, we need you to track down um, this. They, they find out about these, in what they call it, inverse materials. So like if I have this and I drop it, I can actually just pick it up. If it's on the table, I'll pick it up in reversed action. Again, it's I already, can do that. You know, not you, I can pick things up. How's that impressive? Right. So it would do, okay. So my, I have, this is lip gloss, right? This is my magic. Okay. Lip. Okay. Lip gloss is on the table. You hold out your hand yeah. and it reverses the action as to where it, it comes in. So that's what they call inverse. Oh, so it's like sci-fi action. or something. Yeah. It's, it's something like that. So there are these objects where you interact with them backwards. So instead of a bullet, okay. Shooting out of the gun, the bullet reverses into the gun. That's cute. Um, and it's basically him trying to figure out how is this possible and who's the person behind it. And along the way, that's where you get Robert Pattinson to help him and Elizabeth Debricki to, to help him. And I think that's the, the confusion seeps in, obviously, because you're like, well, how do you do this? Why is it important? Who are they looking for? Nolan like just really kind of cuts to the chase. But he cuts to the chase a little bit too quickly to the point where you're like, whoa, how did we get to this certain scene? Um, and, I, and I'll wrap up. It's not like Inception where like eventually Inception made sense. This sure, to me man. still has a, a couple of I don't know if you would say plot holes or just like mm-hmm. to me, it just wasn't executed right or it wasn't explained right. So 
that is my lengthy it's a two and a half hour movie though so for me to try to condense this into like a, a two or three minute spiel <laughs> is is not enough time i mean i haven't seen it i will tell you i do not buy the cult of christopher nolan at all like i've thought every movie of his i've seen after the dark knight was like mm. oh man like yeah like, no i'm sorry like inception was fun but people uh-huh. are talking like it's the next coming at 2001 a space odyssey and i'm like dude it's not that amazing like yeah. interstellar bored me like um what was that dunkirk boring dunkirk. like in the dark knight rises was just not up to the level of dark knight was great i loved dark oh knight. yeah that yeah. was solid laurie i agree with you with that but the rest of them like i feel like he may have um gotten to the point where he's been told like he feels like a guy who has been assured he's a genius and yeah. is sort of uh letting all that hang out on film and if you ask me, it hasn't really made many movies really worth crowing about. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, he has a passionate group of followers. I'm not one of them. And um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I would have seen Tenet, even if we weren't beset by a plague. Yeah. It always, I thought I was, like, a fan of his. I think I really just like Memento, and I really like... Memento was good. Yeah, his early one. Um, Inception. Of course, Dark Knight. But, yeah, after that... It just it seems like he's always trying to out Nolan himself, which it I feel like it reaches this bubble or this peak. And to me, Tenet was definitely that peak where it's like clever, but not clever enough for you to pull off, you know, the good idea in your head. So sorry for that, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Soundtrack though, Ludwig Gorenson, that is amazing. If you you hear the everything is like booming and and you know deafening, but I will give it that. I, I would hope that he gets an Oscar nom for that. Cool. I, I do love that composer. Because the Mandalorian soundtrack, back to that again, amazing soundtrack. Oh, yeah. I love that soundtrack. And again, I'm not usually a guy who's like, the music is amazing. But like yeah. that one, that one stood out to me when I was listening yeah. to it. Like, oh, I could listen to this. It's like spaghetti western meets space opera meets mm-hmm. something new and original. Loved it. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you found Tenet to be mediocre to good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. I did watch Mulan, though. That one was a little more... A little better. Um, I didn't watch that one, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. again, not obvious. Definitely not the same as the original, but I think it it's got that Disney live action charm to where it's like, yeah, I guess I don't hate it. It's you know, it's it's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm watching more of The Last Kingdom. Finally, I'm finally getting like really into it. I'm deep into it now. I've taken Mm -hmm. forever to get to that, but it's finally happening. And um, I thought we'd end on a little preview of a show coming to Netflix. uh, I think in just like exactly a week, the sixteenth. Criminal, which stars mm-hmm. Kit Harrington, aka Jon Snow, as a smug real estate agent accused of sexual assault who tries to weasel his way out of um, prison. Just, I thought, oh, I want to know that. That's a fun reversal, right? I, yeah. I imagine he like played Jon Snow as all like honor, duty, yada and yada. It was like, I want to play a jackass, and so he got on this role and just uh, played a real dick to quote his co-stars. <laughs> And um, could be a fun watch if you want to um, displace yourself and have a little bit of a, you shouldn't be saying those things, Jon Snow, watch your mouth experience Mm. on the 16th. Anything else you're watching, looking forward to, comments to make, Mia Johnson? 
Oh, man. No, I think I'm all tapped out. We had a lot to say. We did. Um, I mean, come on. How, how does it happen that, like, on one day we get a Dune trailer? The Walking Dead uh, is ending? The Walking Dead was one of those things that, like, seemed like it would never, ever end in a million years. I'm just I like, know. Oh, I guess it's over. I wonder. If oh, and keeping up with, with the Kardashians. Keep up with the Kardashians! Yeah. Not really our beat, but, like, that's but also still. an institution. That's, like, 20 seasons. God, they... 20 years, huh? Yeah. Yeah, the end of Samaras. And they all are still alive. Good for them. <laughs> no, no, no. This is where we end the show, huh? Hmm? It is. Anyway, that's been Take the Black Live. We're here every Wednesday, 4 p.m. They didn't throw that one today. Oh, oh, the Lovecraft Country recap. Oh, well, who? I let me let me interject really quick then and say it was a heck of an episode. Unfortunately, since we are out of time, I'll have to point you in the direction of. Lovecraft Country Chronicles. Uh, there's a bonus episode here on Take the Black Live podcast that true. you hopefully listen to. And then if you enjoyed that, you can head on over to Spotify, Google, all those good things to listen to my lengthy, lengthy recap of this past episode. So you got to you got to listen to it over there, folks. I'm sorry we didn't have time today. <laughs> like 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 a minute and a half, really quick. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It was Indiana Jones ish. It was a. Um, you know, uh, adventure caper. It was heavy mm-hmm. on the mythology, which I think is the show's weakness, frankly. So yeah. um, it was probably my least favorite so far, but still fun to watch. But just because of the effects they do. I love the thing where the Yahima was like turned from a corpse into a flesh and blood person. That, reverse. Was, that was so yeah. good. I love the full on Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade uh, spinning blades yeah <laughs> i loved the disappearing board that was so indiana jones it wasn't even funny i mean like was that on purpose <laughs> do you know i wonder yeah i was like what was the i mean i guess we know what the inspiration was it's pretty blatant that was very fun it was a lot to put you through again i always show off like the notes that i have to take for <laughs> each episode so we can have a discussion <laughs> um but yeah, it was a. You get a lot of, um, you know, just the lore in every episode. It's kind of, it's really a lot to focus in on. But sometimes I don't think it shouldn't detract too much just from the fun that they do have, like with each adventure. And they're always building up to something more and more. Yeah, it, it's still very fun and watchable. I do wish they, uh, I guess, like found a way to integrate like the exposition smoother. I always feel like it's, they're really forcing it in. Right, but, yeah. But the characters and the and the setting and the themes are all really compelling. Um, so yeah, definitely a fun show. Okay, and with that, we will wrap it up. Thanks for watching, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Julie, Lori, Christian, everybody who's watching. Back See here y'all. next week, Wednesday, <laughs> 4 o'clock Central Standard Time here on the Winners Coming Facebook page. Thanks for watching, Lori. We'd love you to have you back again. And uh, hope you have a splendid week and a lovely weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.